Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to a Super Bloom podcast. Hi, it's me, your host, Candace King. And we're just going to jump right into today's episode with Sadia Azmat. Sadia is a comedian, an author, a broadcaster, a consultant, a podcaster, an unmistakable voice bridging comedy, culture, and conversation. Sadia is a British Asian comedian breaking boundaries with her insightful humor, thought provoking commentary, and infectious charm. If you haven't already heard of her book, Sex Bomb, it navigates the nuances of British Asian life with candor and wit. It's out and available anywhere right now. And if you want to follow Sadia on Instagram, she is Sadia underscore Azmats, A-Z-M-A-T-S. I enjoyed this conversation so much. Sadia and I just got right into it. We not only talked about life and comedy and writing a book, but we talked about sex and womanhood and girlhood and self-discovery. And this is definitely one of those conversations that's going to stick with me for a long time. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sadia Azmat, author of Sex Bomb. Like I, I can go with a map. I can go. I know that everyone's like New York City. It's a grid. That's what they say. It's easy to get around. And I'm like, I don't, my brain doesn't operate in a grid. You know, also, like, it's like, how is it so hard to get from Manhattan to Brooklyn? I don't it's know. It's really hard. And like here in the UK, like a 40 minute train ride is nothing. But there it's like it's a whole thing. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. 
I will never understand. I mean, that is the one thing that I love about London, too, is that you can hop around just anywhere, anywhere. You can be like, oh, I guess I'm just going to pop over to Paris for the weekend or pop yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, like, yeah, it is yeah, so yeah. easy. I, I truly... I took connecting flights and used a train to get me to a different part of the city and then used another airport-specific train with multiple <gasps> bags of luggage oh. without getting lost. Yes. And I still can't get from, like, Times Square to, like, the, 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 the south of Times Square. Like, I don't even know the neighborhoods. <laughs> I know what you say. I waste a lot of time just walking around randomly from one Whole Foods <laughs> to the next. But the thing is, is that it's, I'm glad you say this because I felt really like it was me. But it makes me feel better knowing it wasn't just me. And then the you have to be nice as well because, like, Manhattan people are very defensive about Manhattan. And then Brooklyn people, it was like a divorce because when I was in Brooklyn, they were like, <laughs> how was Manhattan and I was like it was fine and then the Manhattan I was like we don't like Brooklyn and I was like okay I just you don't want to get stuck in that child caught between the two just trying to be like I love both of your meals the yeah, same you both I just have excellent nothing. coffee and bagels yes. <laughs> exactly. I love them all Oh my goodness. Was this your first time in New York then? Yeah. To promote the American book? American visit at all. Oh my gosh, that's and wild. I was so excited because I don't know why I put it off so much. I think it's just because, I don't know, I just didn't have a reason before. And I don't think you need a reason. And that's what I learned because I think because it's so fast paced, the younger you are, the, the more energy you have to deal with it. So it's fun. It's, it's like, it's the people are so nice and the food is amazing. So like, I think those two are so important for like, if you want to have harmony somewhere with Britain the food is not great the people is mm. <laughs> I think the people are great You're Look, so I'm not saying it about the food but I'm not arguing with <laughs> I'll you, say it, you know? well, I'll <laughs> I'm not arguing sucks. I mean the thing is it was so funny because everyone when I spoke to them they corroborated it and they were like you guys have fish and chips and I was like yeah that's like not exactly a, a claim to fame or anything <laughs> That's so funny. I know. I, like, I love when I have anyone over from the UK who's ever been to any like, like come over to wherever I'm living and, and ask for a cup of tea. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, here's tea. And they're like, this is not tea. And I'm like, but it, it's herbal. And it says peppermint. And they're like, this is not tea. Uh, so that's the, the one thing where I feel like <laughs> the teas over there are really stepped it up. And then also... It is funny because like the the idea, like just the glamour of it and just hearing you talk about like coming to the States and coming to New York. What's funny is my, I have an eight-year-old and oh, she... I can't believe it. Where are you? You're so tiny I, <laughs> and young, obviously. I, I have, and I have a three-year-old too. They just like, I don't know, they just showed up one day. They just like <laughs> fell out of me and I was they like, oh, well, mommy. I guess I'll keep you. They called me mommy and I'm like, oh, all right, fine. Oh, congratulations. And, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. They're they're pretty fun. But the oldest loves like right now she she's in her phase of like speaking with a British accent. Like she's uh, really she'll be like really leaning hard into it, you know. Course, and course. I'm not even gonna try because mine is worse than hers. <laughs> I bet it's not. I bet it's not bad, darling. I bet it, it's not. It is, you know, like I've had to do auditions with a British accent. It's definitely been like, you know what, maybe, maybe just don't do it. Just don't do the accent. And I'm like, well, but it says it, and they're like, you know what? Maybe just act from the heart. Let's Do you just not. Try it? I bet it's. <laughs> no. I bet it's great. Okay. You okay. know what? Maybe by the end of this conversation, I'll get. I'll think I'm like just but adorable I think auditions enough. Auditions are just to... <laughs> horrible anyway. You know what I mean? Like they just make you question the whole world, which you know is just too much, really, for something. I don't know. It's really hard. I think auditions are really hard. 
I think auditions are definitely really hard, but what I know is much harder than an audition is writing a book. So I am very excited to talk about Sex Bomb. How long have you been working on this? First of all, have you always wanted to write a book in general before even diving into a book as personal and a memoir as personal as Sex Bomb? I would say yes. I think it was actually as a younger person, like as a kid, I wrote a lot. I loved English in school. So I wrote a lot. So it was something that, you know, I thought was cool because I liked books. But then you know how it gets, you get kind of busy with the world or work and stuff like that. And so it was something that I never really consciously gave much thought to. And I guess I fulfilled my creative side through comedy because I was writing jokes. And so writing still was happening, but it was a different type of writing than I was ever used to at school. And it was, you know, playing, playing, uh, you know, the Joker and kind of pulling fun at things and having an outlet for my quirky thoughts. It it blows my mind that some people still don't understand that stand-up comedian like common comedians in general like that is very well thought out like people aren't just like jumping on the stage being like hey this funny thing happened to me at the gas station yesterday like <laughs> it is there it is you know where it's so I think it naturally that's what I love when comedians do dive into like a long form essay because even just like a one sentence joke is the shortest form of storytelling you have to have that like the initial thought you have to have that set up and then you have to have like a conclusion and like the full beginning middle and end so I I, like it it, have you noticed that obviously I'm sure you were very excited to kind of explore that longer form Uh, I was and I was also to be quite to show my naivety or ignorance whatever I was shocked how different it was writing a book compared to comedy so I always say about comedy that comedy chooses you you don't choose comedy as a as a job and um, I feel like it's it's like a real thing that you become over time even though you're probably always funny and we are all funny around our friends but I think you gain more confidence and you kind of loosen up and it's a process over time because there's only so much stage time you can get at the beginning of your career as well when you're very, you know, new to it. And so comedy, you get the instant gratification, you know, you tell your material and, you know, they either love it or they tell you how much they hate it. With, whereas writing a book, it's, you, your deal is about 18 to 24 months of just like before it even comes out. So there's no feedback as it were. You get obviously editing notes and drafts and stuff like that and you rewrite, but you're not getting any kind of wider kind of feedback as to how it's going down and stuff and so and you also have to really what you're trying to do which is the one of the biggest differences I learned about compared to stand-up and and writing a book is that you're aiming for a very wide audience so you may not even know who they are but you're trying to it's very commercial whereas stand-up I think is I think it's slightly less commercial in that people seek you out whereas here you're kind of writing you're trying to invite everyone along You said that comedy chooses people. When did comedy choose you? I was on a plane. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I loved how, you know, comedy can really diffuse 
attention. It's almost like a really like under underrated survival mechanism because if someone's trying mm. to have a fight with you, but you can make them laugh and it kind of relax them a little bit and they catch themselves and it brings some sort of humanity out in them and then they can kind of take a step back. You can kind of exit or, you know, you can kind of find mutual ground by being a clown or, you know, I don't know. I love making people laugh. I think it's like when a cook, cooks good food and they love feeding people it's kind of that thing but it's like it's it's real smart as well like I love Norm Macdonald I don't know if you followed him I think he was uh, an American legend of comedy and in fact I'm inspired by so many American voices like Hicks and Kinnison sadly most of the best are dead Rock, Chappelle, Cat Williams anyway the list goes on and on but I think it's if you compare all of them, and obviously I've studied their works and, and appreciated their works for a very long time, I think it's like a very, you know, it's a, it's a specific type of person who like pulls at things and questions things and observes things. And, you know, they say, I think it's a fine line between bravery and stupidity. And you've got to be <laughs> kind of stupid to do all of this. Well, yeah, it's put in entering yourself into the arena. It's exactly what you're describing. Like you have the immediate reaction and yeah. you, people go to a comedy show to give you their immediate reaction. It is either silence or it's laughing. (laughs) That's it. Yes, yes, yes. And that's kind of cool. You know, it puts hairs on your chest. Maybe that's too much information. But, (laughs) you know, I feel like there's very few spaces left increasingly where you're allowed to be yourself or, or say what you think and put the world to right kind of thing. And the stage certainly still is one of those places, I think maybe even the only place. And I think for me as a Muslim woman, so many times my narrative is spoken for me or people assume I am something or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really, for me, it's almost been, I don't think comedy is therapy, but it's slightly felt a bit therapeutic here and there to be able to have a voice because so many times people just you know make so many assumptions what do you feel like I'm sure with people making assumptions like what do you feel like is the most especially when you say oh I'm a comedian or is when you were starting out what was the biggest assumption that you would get from people specifically Mm. as a Muslim woman I mean not directly to me but I think what it is is that I think in Britain anyway I think people think that like we don't have any autonomy over our own decisions. So they think that a lot of our life is kind of very passive or that we're forced into things like, you know, we're forced into marriage or I was forced to wear my hijab or that I have very little freedom. And I mean, in a, in Britain, that's like not the case. And so many Muslim women I come across, uh, you know, at my gigs or just, you know, generally, it's nobody's experience that I've met. So it's a real it's a shame that people kind of like prejudge before even kind of getting to know somebody from that community. And I can understand why, you know, media is really powerful, but I think it's just uh, makes it difficult for Muslim women to have kind of breathing space sometimes, or to feel like where we belong in other kind of circumstances, because so many people assume that it's not for us. So other people are deciding for us, but then they're doing it because they think other people are deciding for us. So it's kind of a very twisted, kind of convoluted mess. And hence why I called it my my book Sex Bomb, because it was like, it had multi-layered meanings. Like, you know, so for so long, we've been marred with terrorism and extremism. And it's kind of like, well, sex feels like a bit of a bomb of a topic. And, you know, could a Muslim woman be a sex bomb, i.e. like, you know, an, a, a 
kind of an aspirational or, or sexy kind of desirable woman and also obviously jokes sometimes bomb and so sex dropping a few sex bombs as well so it has loads of different meanings and nuance to me and I was keen to humanize Muslim women because it's it's been a horrible experience to kind of for a long period of time to feel to feel like people know you who don't know you yeah ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I read you had such a beautiful, I think it was an excerpt from your book, but in Glamour magazine talking about specifically your relationship with the hijab, Mm -hmm. with your hijab and in the fact and like how can you you just share a little bit because you started wearing it when you were 19 I did it's like my longest your longest relationship yeah (laughs) is that what you're gonna say (laughs) (laughs) but that with that all of a sudden you felt this like it was for you what was meant to kind of feel like this really like free beautiful thing in a relationship for yourself suddenly you felt like this idea that society had like a whole new definition and perspective of who you were and that was not and like that did not parallel the way that you saw or were experiencing life yourself. So I like to call this bit before terrorism and after terrorism, Candice. And so I wore it before it all kicked off. And so people didn't really you know, pay it much attention. So it was very accepted, which was great. I don't get anyone, even my close friends who saw me the day before not wearing it and then went the day after wearing it, they didn't question it. I guess they assumed it was cultural. So it wasn't even a conversation topic at that point. But then I think with, it became a bit more common. So like 
when I was growing up, not many people wore the hijab. And then I guess it increased. And then unfortunately, with terrorism increasing, again, it was all of these kind of narratives going around that, you know, there was a fear of what it symbolized and, you know, what that could mean for other people. And it was very irrational. I have to say that I actually came to America a few months ago and it was so freeing because it felt like for once that nobody was looking at my scarf. Like, And it was really interesting because in Britain, it feels like it's a very big issue. Whereas I didn't know what to expect in New York or America because I've never been there before. But for real, like... I, people just saw through it. Like it was like I didn't have one on. And that, that was a good feeling. It was like, it felt like it was my own again. And I think that's what I was talking about was that in the, in the chapter that, that you mentioned is that, you know, it was just a choice and, and it was kind of not very, you know, a serious decision, let's say, although some people, you know, it's very serious to other people, but for me, it wasn't so serious. And then it became very serious for other people and, you know, a challenging kind of thing to navigate because it's unspoken and you didn't know what people wanted. Did they want explanations or I guess, it in a very strange way felt like at times I would compete with the headscarf because people were either fixated on the headscarf or, you know, or me, but not usually me. So it became a very weird kind of side act <laughs> that I hadn't thought it would be. I think it's also interesting that you were 19. I mean, this is a time where you're like, I think back to being 19 and trying to, and what, I had so many questions. Yeah, yep, yep. Two <laughs> days ago, no, I'm I'm 36, gonna be 37. Oh, you're beautiful, and, young. Okay. Oh, jeez, thank you. It's the filter. It's you know we it's, just gotta you have no filter, candies. You're a hottie. You're a hottie. Come on. Oh, bless you. Thank you. I'm like I'm so tired. So thank you. Actually, thank you. I'm like so tired from my kids this morning and the morning. So they, I'm gonna instead of being like, I'll say. Thank you for the compliment. That's very of course, sweet. Of course. But I just think back to when I was 19 and I had so many questions for the world and I like felt almost like what I was like too scared to ask them and too scared to kind of confront the world. And instead, I just kind of wanted to make myself a little bit smaller and, and kind of do what other people were doing around me and kind mm-hmm. of appease them. So I think it's really like I I think it's I wasn't in a place of wanting to listen to what the world had to say. I was like, I just want to do whatever anyone tells me to do and kind of make myself very small. Oh no, I'm it's such an impressionable, no, but it's such an impressionable age it's to a be. It's young age. I think I didn't put much thought into it. If I'm honest with you, Candice, I think I was like, oh, this will, this will be fine. <laughs> and then that's why I just put it on. I don't, it was, I think it was just things change quite rapidly in a way that I think nobody could have anticipated when, you know, there was so much unfortunate terrorism or whatever going on around the world. But then it feels sad that like Muslim women were kind of used as political footballs and undermined so much, especially in in media and British media specifically. And I think it kind of was very fear mongering because like the majority of Britain probably didn't know what to make of it. And so, you know, human beings in general you know, can be quite impressionable. And then sometimes there's a tendency to believe what you're told, especially if you don't have any other kind of information being provided to you. Yeah, I think that's especially what we're seeing now with, you know, even here in America with politics and in our own past couple of years. But for for you, what like I've just basically I've been having really a lot of conversations, even on this podcast about women with women and kind of looking back at our 
everyone's personal relationships with the with religion that they were either raised with or that they've discovered later on in life. Mm. And I think it is a really interesting thing. Like I even I, I grew up Christian. I went to church and then I didn't really have much of a relationship with, you know, a traditional form of Christianity. And then it wasn't until kind of later and going through some like big life things that I started to kind of re-examine my relationship with religion as one, a child, two, kind of the way that it shaped me in my like young female years and kind of like more traditional senses of how people see me and the way that specifically women are meant to be portrayed in kind of organized religion and the one that I was a part of. And then three, kind of like what it meant to me as an adult and that has like had time to be out in the world and who's not only questioned the world, but then kind of learned some answers myself. And having had this conversation with, you know, I even just thinking, I know it's, I I love the housewives and I was watching Salt Lake (laughs) City last night and they're, you know, talking about Mormonism and, and how, you know, some of these women, their relationship with it in adulthood versus others who were raised with you know, in the Mormon church who have a completely different relationship with Mormonism in adulthood. But I I love that you're not only, you know, obviously talking about your religion, but specifically about like the female experience of how people expect women to like behave sexually in a religion or like what we've determined is appropriate in religion, how people see you, you know, where I've like, friends and women who are very, very, you know, religious and married and who talk about sex one way and then other friends who are not religious at all and talk about sex in a completely different way. And you would think that they'd be opposite. And so the way that I love that you're just diving right in and wanting to be like, not only do I want to talk about my relationship with my religion, but also like as a woman and like your relationship with the feminine within yourself and your sexuality, I think is just really cool. When did you decide you're like, this is what I'm, this is going to be like the the kind of the intersection of this book? Yeah. uh, Great question. And, you know, great opportunity to to kind of say how you know I love my faith and how thankful I am to God for my faith it, like yourself you know life throws a lot of challenges and I think religion helps me get through it in a in a higher form rather than being petty or whatever I don't know it kind of it reminds me of you know patience and finding a way through basically in terms of the book I wrote an article in 2019 and the the Metro, which is a, a UK paper, they gave it this funny title, Muslim Women Like Me. I saw are, it. Yeah. yeah, we are not supposed to be horny during Ramadan. So I think what it was, was I've been talking about sex, you know, obviously in, in you know, as a Muslim on stage for, for many years. So it's not taboo to me. It's not a shameful thing to me to explore sexuality or to even joke about it because that's my job. But I think that article that went viral, it, it showed that I, I feel like I guess I was kind of on my own in terms of how how much kind of, I, I suppose, processing I've done. And people were still acting like, the idea of a Muslim woman and talking about sex or having sex was very novel or new. And so it kind of really affirmed to me that this was something that needed to be tackled so that, you know, also I can do other things. This doesn't have, I don't have to kind of do this my whole career or my whole life as, as important as it is. It's, it's quite natural to me. So I thought, okay, I really wanted to put this book together 
to, to answer everybody's questions and to help other women like me who I guess haven't always been represented in media as rounded people having relationships or as three-dimensional so that they could feel comfortable if they had had similar kind of experiences or asking for help if they need it and so that they didn't have to be kind of shrouded in secrecy if they're having a relationship that hasn't quote unquote been declared to anybody. So it, it was quite good actually because I, I guess it, looking back because I did stand up for a long time and then it kind of culminated in this book it feels as though whilst it wasn't intentional at the earlier stage it all kind of was for something. Did you, especially in, in comedy, I feel like so often you get to meet the people you're performing for yes. and any comedian <laughs> friends I have, it's like the, obviously the performance is like, you get so much from that, but it's also when people come up and say, thank you so much. Like, not only did you make me laugh, but thank you. I feel seen or I see the world that same way. And I thought it was just me or like, I'm so glad I'm not alone in this feeling. And so have, did you experience that on the road? I do. Often? In fact, quite across the board, you know, you'll get people who are not Muslim who will be like, I didn't even realize you was like that. And that's kind of nice to be able to it's not even educate them. It's kind of debusting or dispelling some of the some of the incorrect myths, maybe that that are mm. flying around. And then I'll get definitely loads of Asian women who are like, "Girl, I'm just as horny as you," and <laughs> and it's so nice because we don't have like you know spaces to kind of have those exchanges. So it's kind of it makes me feel like, hey, you know, it's not just me. Like you know, it's just real normal and stuff. So it is great to see people. And and I have to say, compared to 20 years ago, whenever things are slowly changing, so there is a little bit of change. Everybody's comfort levels are obviously different, and some people are still very private about some of these topics. But it's not to say that everybody is. And I think it's just helpful so that people don't feel you know, when you discover sex for the first time, so you don't feel like you're a bad person or that something, yeah. you know, you know, it's not, it's bad basically because it's, it's part of everybody's like experience and, you know. Everybody does it. <laughs> yes, or another. So In some form or another, <laughs> at some point or another. Yes. Listen to Candice, guys. Come on. <laughs> okay, I can't believe I'm bringing this up. I have a friend that I just saw last week and she was, she was like, have you ever, and it's a UK show, so I'm very oh. interested to see if you've seen it. She's like, have you ever seen the show Naked Attraction? Oh, yes, of course. Have well, I've heard it? about it. I've heard, no, no, no. I, 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 the thing is with reality shows, they're so addictive. So once they suck you in, that's your six weeks gone. So I can't, well, but I've heard about it. <laughs> What? So tell the, me, tell me, have you? Okay, so the concept of the show, so I just watched an episode because she was like, you have to watch it. And I, and I love reality TV and I was just so curious. And it's very, and she described the show to me very accurately. And so just for anyone that doesn't know what this is, there's like six seasons and it's it's six people standing in a pod. There's always a pod in these reality shows. There's always a pod. And, but the difference is someone, it's basically a dating show and someone's going to pick a suitor based off of their physical appearance, but their physical appearance is completely in the nude. And right. you don't start with the face. You start from the bottom up. Oh, really? So you just, oh, you just so you don't see, see the face. You don't see their face yet. You just see the bottom half of them. And it was so interesting because at first it's it's quite, it's it's a very bright, brightly lit studio. So you you just see everything. And and it's for all genders. And you're 
watch it. And it's so funny. I took a moment. I was like, ah, this is a lot. And then I was like, it's just interesting to me that this is something everyone has these. Everyone is born with the form of this. Yes. And it's like, this is why it's just why do I still feel like I'm a mother? You know what I mean? Like, we, like why? Why is there this still like, oh, gosh, this is a close my eyes. I mean, obviously, these are people that I do not know. This is what they're choosing <laughs> to do. But just on an anatomical level, I was just like, everybody has a version of like this, their own version of this. And it is like it, it is very interesting to me, even looking back at like thoughts of, you know, the way that either pop culture or like other friends or or like, you know, the way that sex and and was talked about even at a younger age with just always kind of like in shame and secrecy. And so I am very grateful that like now I feel like at least we're all hopefully talking about it more in a way that is not shameful for this younger generation. Yeah. You know, clearly- that like body parts are body parts and they belong to you and you protect them. But it's still like none of those feelings are abnormal. No, I think also there's a very poor sex education that has a big part in a lot of this mm-hmm. because like I talk about in the book that like my sex education at school, like it was a cartoon and there was a robot flying into people's bedrooms and it was so weird. And then he started talking about periods, which isn't really sex. So it was like there was no good stuff, basically. And then kids are really smart. So if you mm-hmm. promise us sex education, we may not know the ins and outs of it, but we know that we're in for a ride (laughs) pardon the pun and then you don't get the you don't get the ride and then you're like well what is this this is a a kind of then you get annoyed and stuff but would you ever go on naked attraction no 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 I think that's not a great way to you know pick a partner it was it was a lot like look I I've watched one episode I don't know how much of this I'm gonna see you know, I think I saw a lot for one episode. Right, you know, right, I don't right. need I don't think that this is what I'm going to be binging this weekend. That would be, no. <laughs> you know, I'm like, curious as to whether these couples, you know, whether they whether they last if they, you know, from the show and stuff like if they if they get together, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like from one extreme to the other. Right. It's like from no kind of I don't know. But what I'm saying, I, I guess it's like, you know, you can't go from zero to 100 or in this case from 100 to zero. Um, you kind of. I agree. I think that like there has to be some like actual maybe chit chat to kind of maybe see if you're attracted to someone. But however, I will say if I were at a dinner party and I sat next to a couple and I said, how did you two meet? And they said naked attraction. I would never leave that seat. I was like, well, yes. this is where I live now and I'm going to have oh, to ask you a million questions. Oh, of course, of course. And I think, you know, I think, I don't know. Oh, I forgot my point. <laughs> I don't know. I'm You're thinking okay. of naked stuff. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> That's the thing. It, it's very, it very much overtakes. You know, is the robot coming to you right now trying to tell <laughs> you more about <laughs> yeah, the robots I mean- come back? I think it was just, oh yeah, that's my point. I was going to say that it, all of these like reality shows, dating ones specifically, are they, it shows how how powerful dating and relationships and all of these kind of themes are like to us. So, you know, they're really important. And I think sometimes, you know, they don't always obviously portray them in, in a rounded sense, but it, it's still kind of like Love Island, which is in the UK, another dating show, which uh, basically, as the name suggests, you probably have USA Love yeah, Island. We have right? a version. And it's like people just, it's the, it's the biggest, it's like the highest rated program in the whole country. It's like people just 
they can't stop watching it. And it's because it's these hot people on beaches, like with their, you know, bikinis on or whatever or not. And there's a lot of kind of, I don't know, trying to win a game and trying to win the competition, trying to find love. And it's, it's so fascinating. Well, I, I try not to watch it because it was a few few years ago and I was like proper. I was watching it, watching it on repeat, the Plus One channel, watching the Saturday Roundup. And it was just, I couldn't do it anymore because it's so, like, it's just really addictive. And I, I don't know what that is, why it's so addictive, but it is. Like, I wasn't attracted to anybody on the program. And, you know, you wanted to shout at the TV sometimes, you know, don't pick him he's not whatever but it's it just shows how powerful the even trying to attain love can be are you are you in a relationship are you looking for a relationship no no no. oh my god listen candies i ended my long spree of singleness i'm so so lucky i asked god a lot it's like please god you know please and then yeah now i'm dating someone very happy one of my friends, Tanya Rad, I had her on the podcast and she wrote a book and it, it's a it's a book about devotionals and and like for her and and she talked up about it, too. She was like, I was asking God to like have me meet my person and like I would do these other things to like try to like show myself and show like, you know, the universe and God, like, you know, try to like, <laughs> attract this person. And I was like, wait, I, I was like, I have to know like one of the things that you did. And she said, there was one night where she set the table for like two people and it was just one person. And then she was like, nope, that was the, she was like, after that, I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to chill out a little bit. I think God hears me and it's going to come in. Like, I'm going to meet that person when it's time. But I mean, I was the opposite. I was the opposite. I didn't do anything. So that's why I had to ask God because like, I'm a very boring Muslim girl. I I don't go clubbing. You know, I don't go drinking. I don't do X, Y, Z, whatever, whatever. So I was like, is this specifically for be as like, for your religion no, or no, just I'm because just very, I'm very buddy. vanilla. <laughs> I'm yeah. not vanilla actually, but it's just, you know, I work a lot and I think yeah. I'm really anti-apps as well. And I think that's where people tend to meet each other these days. So I'm not on the apps. I'm not, you know, out, out. I'm working a lot. So it's not just yeah. because it's not because of like faith based necessarily. It's just that life based, I guess. And so I was like, God, please, I need your help because I ain't gonna find someone in my bedroom or in my house. And you don't want to find someone just waiting in your bedroom or your house. That's actually like not. Yeah, that would be scary. <laughs> it might be the last relationship I ever yeah. have. <laughs> <laughs> ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Do you, when you were on the road in like single, like stand up life, yes, was it like, did it help kind of talking about your like being single and your sex life? And did you feel like it was like a very fun outlet for that? Or were you just like tapping your fingers being like, okay, I'm ready for the next, the next thing? You see, it's a great question and observation. And yes, people love other people's misery. And so, you know, your pain, like, oh my God, I'm so single. or This is not going well. It's quite compelling. So it was good for stand up. It was also cathartic, I guess, to kind of be like, you know, what is wrong with why can't I get a guy or, you know, talking about all of that was very fun because comedians are quintessential losers and so you're kind of like that's the biggest kind of glory you can have like being a loser like in the dating world because I always have this joke which is you know most women like you know pussy is so special right (laughs) most men they're just trying to get the pussy all the time so you know I, I feel very rare in that I was not able to get any attention like I was like guys would just not consider asking me out for many reasons and so it was funny because it's like usually you hear women complaining oh my god this guy's hitting on me this guy's hitting on me and I'm completely flipping it I'm like can't get dick can't get dick that's a stupid thing right because as any woman can get dick because guys is always trying to get pussy right but I was just like it was funny I was just like you know can't get dick couldn't join ISIS ISIS didn't want me in a party just uh you know how do you fix this it's the funniest situation so it's still something you know being (laughs) slightly desperate for love is is a good caricature it's a good kind of point of view as a comedian wanting love and stuff that makes me Wanda Sykes has this like great bit I don't know if it'll where she talks about like if she could like leave her pussy at home you know it's always like the fear of like walking around and someone like you know, trying to attack you and like you know <laughs> and she she could be like oh I don't have it. I left it at home. Funny. And then like made this whole joke of like coming home to being like, what did you do to my pussy? Like I left it here oh, and you weren't supposed to like, that's you know, funny. but she's very, she's very, but it always makes me laugh being like, ha like I don't have it with me. I have a similar one in that, like, you know, sometimes I'm insecure if my boyfriend's going to cheat. So I'm like, if only his dick was detachable, yeah. put put that in my purse. <laughs> and then I don't worry. He can have conversation with whoever he wants, but I got the goods. <laughs> you can have it back being a good boy (laughs) i'll I'll fix it from here honey yeah i'll I'll, I'll fix it for you 
What I mean, when I, I read a little bit too in another interview of yours that you talked about like the assumption that do you feel like men weren't hitting on you because you like the idea of, oh, well, she must be Muslim or she's Muslim. So she doesn't want to have sex or she can't have sex. Like, and I, I'm going to be honest, there was, I even had to be like, wait, is the, is, is like the Muslim faith base where you're not allowed to have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. You just don't have sex. But also I have friends who are Christian or who follow other religions where if you read the like the literature, it is no sex before marriage, but then they are practicing in their religion, but still have sex before marriage. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that- yes, exactly. So it is true. It's the same. In Islam, you're meant to marry somebody and have sex after marriage. In, in the times we're living in candies, I'm not going to lie to you. If I try to withhold a pussy like that, I'm not sure that the guy's going to stick around. So I'm going <laughs> to give it a go. But like my caveat with all of that is that I don't, in, I don't, I choose not to engage in like casual sex because that's not really what I'm looking for. It's not because yeah. I, it's just not something. And I don't know, I, I hear, speak to a lot of women who feel the same in that they want meaningful exchange. They don't want to, I don't want to be sleeping around. It's just not something I want to, I want to know the guy's name I want to care and if I'm doing all of those things I might probably not care about those things and and so it is a special thing for me especially because you know I didn't have sex a lot I didn't have sex until later on in life till I was 27 actually so I feel like I've made it important whether it is or not I've made it more important so then I kind of I do respect my faith and also it's just yeah so I will have sex but it has to be within a you know a relationship that's you know serious yeah sorry I forgot where I was going no I also think it's better I think at a certain point too when you've had that intimate connection you know and I'm not saying that across the board I that is not to be shameful to anyone who Mm -hmm. is able to have a fantastic you know sex life with someone that they don't know like that's that's fine i think yes. generally from even talking to friends of mine who are older or you know who have like had more long term intimate relationships it, it have found that like when it's when it's just when you can actually be close and share like an intimacy with someone it makes mm. everything so much better and when you've had it be like that it's hard to go back and be, it's like, it's like, you know, a piece of pizza is delicious. You know, like, I'm not going to turn down, like, you know, you go, you can get a delicious pizza pizza and it's going to be fantastic. You can also sit down and have like a 10 course meal at like right. a fantastic restaurant that you've made a reservation for, mm-hmm. you know, you're all dressed up for, you maybe looked at the menu ahead of time. You've been to that restaurant. You know what you like on the menu. Exactly. And it's just like a nice, long, leisurely experience. I you want know? the 10 course candies. I want the 10 course. I want it. <laughs> it sounds very hot. And yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's just a comfort thing. I'm sure there are guys out there who would respect, you know, if, if people wanted to kind of not have sex. But then also, you know, I think women's desire for sex tends to be underplayed quite a lot I don't know there's benefits both ways this way you don't get no surprises if you do choose to get married hopefully you do end up getting married there's no surprises that like that horrible episode of Sex and the City where was what's that guy's name Charlotte where she was like oh no he's impotent and it's like that's gonna be a fucking problem in it imagine not having sex your whole life and the guy can't get it up but anyway I think I think it's just good to kind of yeah 
to feel comfortable with it. And so many times, like I think women are judged so much. And I think hopefully things will change in terms of that as well from conversations like this. This certainly seems to be a bit more wholesome, like in terms of organic sex positivity, which is really good. Mm. Well, I also love that just finally, like anyone with a uterus is sharing that they there are different things that you experience when you have a uterus and you have hormones and you have, you know, like finally, I feel like we're having more honest conversations about menstrual cycles. I feel like yes. we're having more conversations about like pelvic floor muscles. I feel like How we're having we get more the periods to stop. Candies? I know. God. <laughs> I mean, you would think by 36, I'd be like, I know the drill. And every month I'm just like, what are you um, doing here? Exactly. And it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I know that it's due, but my body shocks me. It's like a surprise. Every it just time. creeps creeps up on me. And like, I'm so glad you said that because it's the same for me. And if I could switch a button off. Gosh. I will tell you how to get rid of your period. You just you get pregnant and then you don't have it for like a long time but then you have a baby and then it comes back and then you have to bleed for like six weeks so it catches up to you little known Oof. fact about having a baby is they forget to tell you that after you have the baby you're on your period for like six weeks straight wow wow and I was like well this would have been helpful where was the little robot telling me this back you, in the day in a cartoon that's an form. important piece of information for a, for a female to like one week is enough of bleeding let alone six <laughs> weeks did you did you take enough like bone broth and stuff like iron supplements because bleeding is like for your blood like you need an iron do you you are fine you look yes. really healthy by the way well, well thank you i i'm not but i <laughs> did so when you when you have a baby you your body creates twice as much blood oh my about, god that's so take. cool i didn't know it's that the craziest thing I became obsessed with like birth and like the physical changes and like everything has a reason. Like you gain all this, you have all this extra blood in your body. You grow that extra organ, you grow the placenta and then you get rid of it as soon as the baby's born. You like the other thing is you get very like your your nipples will often like get a lot darker right. in pigmentation. And some women get the like some people get the line on your belly. And that's all because the baby only sees them like black and white. And so it gives them a more like clear path to the food. Oh, my to, like, goodness. Get up the- it's a miracle. It's insane. It's a miracle. That's it's so cool. interesting. And I'm like, and this is all and we all like this happens all the time. This is nature, which also goes yeah. into which also comes from sex. You got to have people like, you know, it comes from <laughs> all those things coming together or however it comes together. But that's generally can be the basis. And so it is very it is very interesting when you start thinking. About it. But also, I love that people finally are talking about menopause in a yes. way it's that good. I feel like has not been talked about, except in, in a sort of like a mocking yeah. way. Exactly. Yeah, it's a always been like a joke. Yes. So it does feel like there is, even though um, at least, you know, I'll just speak for Tennessee. We've gone back very far in a lot of our <laughs> rights, <laughs> you know, but uh, at least we're talking about it more, you know. <laughs> You're so diplomatic. I love you. <laughs> Yep. You know, it's like, it's a very interesting thing to be like, we're all talking about it now. I have no rights as a oh, person in this state. Yeah. But, you know, what a time. What a time. Have you you said that, you know, obviously when you're performing comedy, you get that immediate feedback. And the mm. difference is when you write a book, you don't get that immediate feedback. It's like a more, much more of a two year process. So. Yes. 
now that it's out and people are reading it and you're, you know, doing all this press for it, what has the feedback been like for you? I feel like it's been good. I'm still here, Candice. No, I'm joking. You know, no one tried to kill me and stuff, which is great. I think it's been good. I think there were a few people that judged the book by its cover who, you know, I guess had some issues with it. But in by and large, I feel like there's been a lot of kind of understanding and support, especially from women, which has been great. Some men as well. But it's probably, I guess, a female kind of story, you could say. I think people are celebrating that there is something like this on the market talking about kind of things from a perspective we don't get to hear often and people from all different kind of backgrounds etc can kind of it's still a story of like the you know humans ups and downs life story so it's something that I think there's something there's something in it for everyone I was struggling to get that out there's something in it for everyone it's been good it's been really good there's been you know different reactions a lot of older women have supported it which I was surprised to like people from other faiths as well explained that they it resonated with them like I, I had a really lovely a lady in a book event who told me you know she's Jewish and she's 46 and she's only just started to enjoy sex so it's definitely I feel like there's something missing in terms of a piece like this. And hopefully it gives people comfort. That's what I really want people to laugh or, you know, relate or feel strengthened by it in that, you know, we all kind of have to kind of discover sex and it's not always a smooth, if you're, if you're left to your own devices, you know, it can be up and down in terms of loving yourself is really important as well. Especially from my kind of upbringing, it's not something that I grew up hearing a lot about. Like you say, the narrative is improving and things are getting better and hopefully it will help people to feel comfortable in their own skin and have healthy conversations that, you know, may feel tricky, but then actually end up like being really rewarding. There is a friend of mine that pops into my head as you're saying this and, and she is very, she's the first one who'll message me that she's praying for me. Oh. And you know, so she, yes. she's the first person, you know, it is she she leads with her faith. And she's also the first person who will tell me which is like a new vibrator she's loving. You know what I mean? Or like something. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. And it almost like and as I was getting to know her, it almost like broke my brain a little bit. I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? How do. <laughs> yes. But I was like, this is amazing. Like why? I like why? Why? Why does it break my brain a bit? And why? And obviously we can go. There's a million reasons why. But, sure. you know, just on a we could. But for you, how would you describe your like being someone who has a wonderful, you can, for the women out there who has a wonderful relationship with their faith and a wonderful relationship with their sex life, like, can they be both? And why are we just so confused when they are? Yes, of course. For me, I feel like I'm really lucky because as we already spoke about, like, because there's humor in failure. So like not feeling good enough at sex or being slightly unsuccessful with men or relationships, it's great comedy fodder. So I think that's why I gravitated towards these two kind of, as you say, they seem opposing. But in some of my research for the book, you know, even in my faith, there's a quote, which I, which I quote in the book that, you know, foreplay is definitely encouraged. Like women are, we need warming up. <laughs> we don't just want to like bang, bang, bang. You know, we need uh-huh. like, you know, it's uh, the quote. We was, love some don't... appetizers before a yeah, 10 course meal. Yeah, exactly. Know? There you go. So don't go to your 
chickens like hen. Oh, hey, look, I've got the quote wrong, but basically it's like encouraging, like it's as much as we have heard that, you know, women should please their men. The opposite is exactly true. And it's also men's job to please the woman. And our sex drive sometimes is, is a lot kind of greater than men. So they need to kind of do the foreplay. They need to stroke your neck or whatever it is that you like. I don't know what people like. I feel like they, they it, it doesn't have to be a division without sounding like a conspiracy theorist. You know, there's a lot of money to be made from selling sex. So kind of whoever kind of does that, I feel like by making it seem more taboo or illicit, somebody gets to hold on to the control of what sex, what, what sexy even is like, you know, and all of those things. So I think it's a, a lesson in kind of your own journey and knowing that you're sexy all the time, that we all hold sexiness. Like it can be in your nighty in your t-shirt, or it can be in a really hot outfit with black boots, but that not, not losing sight of the fact that even though, you know, we may sometimes feel really overworked, et cetera, that we are really sexy. And I think that's really important. And we don't kind of celebrate that enough, especially in Britain. So sometimes it's just kind of owning your own sexiness, feeling confident, confident is really sexy too. And I do think that if you, you know, have a faith, it, it, it doesn't, they're not mutually dependent or independent. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you yeah. could not really be that intersex or you could be really intersex. It's just, but let, let that person decide, like, let's not judge that person because they're religious. That means, oh, you know, they were prude in the bedroom. We talked a little bit about our, like how we, you know, sex ed in schools and what we learn about sex and, yes. you know, and researching sex and the thought about sex. and But also at this point in life, what has sex taught you about yourself? Ooh, I mean, <laughs> about myself. I mean. Or about you. It taught you. I think that like it's, I don't know if this is the right answer, but I think like enjoying it is really important. And I think it took me a while to kind of get to that point because I guess it was something that, like I say, I started having sex quite late and it wasn't something that I always felt comfortable with because I was in a very toxic relationship, which I talk about in the book. So it wasn't always easy to relax. So I think I've learned that, you know, being in a trusting relationship, I will have like the best sex and to kind of like, it's okay to enjoy it, I guess. It does sound a bit basic, but it was, it was it was kind of a turning point for me that there's something to be celebrated from from it, it being a private exchange with your partner because I think we live in such a time where boy we're sharing everything on social media but like I think what's really special is that it's something between you and your partner like you know I don't need to kind of put everything like you know it doesn't it's nobody else's business really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I I realized I've tried to like change the way that I even say things like guilty pleasure. Mm. I'm like, why do I have to associate something that I enjoy that I should be embarrassed that I'm enjoying instead just be let it be a pleasure. And like, that's why I talk about in the book is like, you know, okay, so as kids, clearly we weren't getting educated. And then, you know, if we're not meant to be having sex before marriage and then married couples apparently don't have sex. So then when are we ever, when are we ever enjoying, <laughs> yeah. like, when are you, when is it okay to have sex or, or enjoy it? Like, you know, cause it feels like there's never, we're never quite unquote allowed. So mm-hmm. just, yeah, just. It, and then God forbid you bring feels- up like having sex with yourself and masturbation <laughs> and then people are like, what? Exactly. What were you doing? <laughs> exactly. 
You're like, wait, exactly. When when can we have it? But the reality is, is luckily we're all talking about it. I, I think I love also when women talk about like not only having sex, but their sexuality and like what it's meant to them at different points in their life. Because I do believe that it changes. And I do believe that it exactly like it does show us a lot about ourselves. And, and I realized too, even just hearing you say, you know, to be in a trusting relationship, I've even had to learn that I've had to trust my own relationship with myself mm. and like, yes. and making space for myself to feel good and things like that. Yeah. I think women, we're such givers and we innately just really empathetic and there for others, not to say that men aren't, but I can only speak for myself, which as a, as a female. And so it's okay to just be, you know, do you. And like, I think a happier, healthier us is going to be a stronger person to, to do all of those things, which are for other people. I think it's great to, to be a great partner for your partner, but also think both, both of you will really, you know, enjoy the other one's enjoyment. So I think that's a cool thing about sex. It's very rare. <laughs> it's like, it's one of the few things where, you know, somebody else's pleasure is like in equal proportion, like it really supports your own as well. <laughs> Or comedy or stand up yes. comedy. Yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> I love comedy. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Congratulations you. on your book. Before I let you go, I would love to have a little conversation cool down. It's just a little fi- quick five questions I ask all my guests. Sure. My number is. Yeah. <laughs> What's your number? What's your social security number? And mother's maiden name. No. What is. Sadia, what is something that you like? I mean, love, chocolate. Well, we're going to get to love. Like, oh God, I like walking. Do you walk by yourself? Do you walk with headphones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, I mean, I don't always need to listen to music, but I I used to hate walking. So it's, I'm glad that I'm kind of at that point where I enjoy it because it's good. It's good to move. Movement is very good for you. It is. It is. I need to get better at that. Okay. What's something <laughs> that you know? I know that God loves us. What is something that you hate? Oh, nice question. I hate this conversation is highlighted, but I hate like bad media, meaning like unnuanced or, you know, kind of clumsy, lazy, lazy media and stuff like that. What is something that you love? I love chocolate, but I should have said sex. But <laughs> I just I love chocolate so much. <laughs> what kind of chocolate? babe don't make me say dark because you know that's a lie you know what I mean that's a lie I like milk and hazelnut stuff it's quite mm. good I'm not fussy to be fair I'm not fussy at all do you have a piece every day I try I try yeah, yeah. I'm trying not to right now but then sometimes I'm so bad and I substitute the chocolate with a cake because I love cake too I should have said cake oh it's such I a hard question substitution you're like I try to just get off the chocolate and just go right to the cake <laughs> exactly it's really bad isn't it <laughs> and last but not least what is a quirky little fact about you Ooh, I like this question. Quirky. I'm trying to think about my body in case there's any kind of weird dimensions, but there's not. (laughs) Oh, yes. Quirky, quirky, quirky. So, you know, my phone, I set the time 15 minutes ahead. That way I'm never late. clock? Yeah, my clock. So at the moment in your time, I guess it's 10.30. 
10.30 PST. So in my, I would put that 15 minutes ahead. So it's 10.45 PST. So my clock is 15 minutes ahead. On your phone? You can do that? <laughs> yeah, you go to settings and then you change the time. I like doing do it. Do people ever stop you and go like, hey, what do you have the time? And you just... <laughs> I, like, I, well, subtract, I, have... I subtract I translate for you them correct it. because okay. nobody's quirky like that unfortunately I'm oh, the only quirky I one I didn't even know you could do that <laughs> I thought it was just people... like set to the world like to the sat the cloud I didn't know you could like compete with the cloud to change you the can. time you can change if you want to change it two hours you could do what you want I used to do it an hour and a half actually but then one of these apps where you can get a free cookie it, 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 it the, the window expired because it was an hour and a half ahead so then I just adjusted. I said, listen, we'll do 15 minutes because I still need to feel like the time is different to real time and a little bit ahead. So yeah, it's, I don't mind about the cookie, to be honest with you. I'm 15 minutes ahead. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I am 15 minutes behind you, but so, so <laughs> grateful for this conversation. A Superbloom podcast is hosted by me, Candace King, produced by Melissa D. Mons and Diamond Imprint Productions, edited by Diane Kang, post-production sound by Coco Lawrence, and advertising partnership with ACAST. <laughs>